welcome to Standing in the Gap. I'm your host preacher, Brandon Harrell. Standing in the Gap is a weekly audio Bible study dedicated to the verse-by-verse exposition of the KJV Scriptures. It is my prayer that through these studies, the lost will be saved, the believer edified, and most of all, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be magnified and honored through the proclamation of His Word. For correspondence information, please stay tuned until the end of the broadcast. May the Lord bless you as you listen to this week's Standing in the Gap. All right, this is Preacher Brandon. Time again for Standing in the Gap. We're in Matthew chapter number 2, and today we're going to look at verses 10 through 12. We're considering the visit of the wise men. We saw already in verses 1 through 9 the arrival of these wise men. Looked at several things concerning who they were, where they came from, and why they came. They came with the express purpose of worshiping the king. They said in verse 2, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And so we looked at the inquiries that were made, how that Herod demanded of the of the scribes and Pharisees where Christ should be born. When they told him that it was Bethlehem, he then sent these wise men to go and search diligently for the young child. And he requested that when they found him, that they would return again and tell him because he uh, falsely said he wished to worship him as well. We closed in verse 9 last time. It says, When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And so we saw the arrival of these wise men. Well, today we're going to move into verse 10, begin to consider the adoration of these wise men. There are two aspects of this adoration that I want to point out. First of all, they're rejoicing. You'll notice in verse number 10, it says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now, the word here uh, for rejoice, it denotes to be full of cheer. Uh, It means to be calmly happy or to be well. They were said to rejoice. They were filled with joy. This joy overtook them. Uh, We might call it joy unspeakable and full of glory. The Bible said that they rejoiced exceeding great joy, with exceeding great joy. The word exceeding means vehemently. It speaks of intensity or of passion. And so this rejoicing that they did was vehement. It was intense. It was passionate. And then we find that it was great. It was exceeding great joy. Uh, The idea of the word great here, it is the Greek word megos. It's where we get our English word for mega. It just simply means big or large. It refers to the size or the stature of a thing. This joy was an oversized joy. I thought about that in comparison to whatever joy the world may appear to offer. Uh, There is no joy comparable to the joy that the Christian has in the worship of the Son of God. 
The Bible tells us here that it was when they saw the star that they rejoiced. They rejoiced not just at the sight of the star. We dealt with that last time, how that this was a phenomenal thing that God had done supernaturally to guide them. They had not seen it since they left the east, and here it was again. But they rejoiced not just at the sight of the star, but the idea of the grammatical makeup here tells us that they rejoiced at the reality that their journey was over, their search was over. They had come to him. That was, after all, the intended purpose of their journey. And that's the purpose of ours as well. All that transpires in this life is to the end that we appear in the presence of our king and worship him. That's what they left their homeland to do. And here they were finally realizing that dream, if you will, that desire to come and to worship him. We ought to have for our primary motivation the bringing of ourselves and others to Christ Jesus for the explicit purpose of worshiping him. The Father seeks worshipers. Christ is worthy of such worship. And the Holy Ghost in his work of regenerating sinners and bringing them to Christ makes worshipers out of poor lost sinners. And that is what they left to do and that is now what they are going to uh, enjoy. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy knowing that their search was coming to an end. Notice they rejoiced when they saw the star, but they did not worship until they saw the sun. Though we ought to rejoice at uh, one, uh, at, at anything really that points us and guides us to the Savior. We have to be careful not to render worship unto any of those things. The scriptures, we thank God for our Bibles. And it is through the scriptures that we are pointed and guided to Christ. And it is through the scriptures that we are taught to worship Jesus. I think of men that have opened the word to us and preached and how that God has used various instruments uh, to bring us to Christ for worship. But none of those things can be elevated. We, we have to be careful not to esteem those things uh, more highly than we ought and only render our worship unto the Lord. God alone in his persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, is worthy of our worship. No one else, nothing else, is worthy of worship but God alone. And so they rejoiced when they saw the star, just as we rejoice at the word of God that, that points us to Christ, just as we rejoice when God uses human instruments in our lives to point us to Jesus, and just as he may use any other thing to bring us to a place of worship, but worship is for God alone. And then in verse 11, we see their reverence. So in verse 10, it is their rejoicing. And then in verse 11, it is their reverence. The Bible says, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasure, uh, treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Notice in this reverence the praise they rendered. Now, it is not insignificant that they were coming to the house. These worshipers 
had access by faith into this grace wherein they stood. It is by faith that we too are invited into the abode of our Savior. Now he sits not in the arms of his mother Mary in a little house in Bethlehem, but now he sits on the right hand of the majesty of God on his throne in heaven. Now these men were permitted to come into this little house in Bethlehem, but we have a greater invitation. We have a much greater opportunity for we're invited to come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Think about our privilege as worshipers of God. These men, yes, were able to come into the physical house of the Lord Jesus where he lay in the arms of his mother. But we are invited to come into the presence of a sovereign king upon his throne on the right hand of the majesty of God in heaven. And each time we worship, each time we experience what these men experienced in true spiritual worship, that is exactly what is taking place. We enter in to the holiest of all, uh, spiritually speaking, into the presence of Christ our King to worship him. Now, the Bible said that when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. In a hyper-emotional age, it is possible to underemphasize the role of the senses in worship. Yes, we worship by faith in God's written revelation, and it's so that we ought to worship despite what we sense or feel. We may not feel anything, but yet we ought to worship. But something happened when these men saw the star, and then when they saw the young child Jesus in the arms of Mary. It is normal that our senses play a role in our worship. Just as Jeremiah's eye affected his heart, our eyes and our ears and the rest of our senses may affect ours as well. And though we cannot be led by our feelings and though we cannot let what we see and what we hear be the only basis for our worship, we must understand that God has made us emotional beings. He has given us these senses and all that God has done and all that God has created us to be is created for the purpose of worship. And so when they saw the star, when they saw the young child, it incited worship in their hearts. And then we notice um, that they saw the young child with Mary as mother, not the mother and the young child. There's no and here, it is with. This simply tells us that they saw Jesus with Mary. It tells us where he was. Uh, preeminence here is placed upon the young child. He's placed first in this text. Uh, there's much to be said also about the posture of these wise men. The Bible said when they saw this, they fell down and worshipped him. Uh, the word fell down here, the, the phrase fell down, it denotes laying face down on the floor. Now think of these otherwise dignified individuals laying on their faces before a child, a child not yet recognized by this world as anything special, just a boy born into a humble, impoverished home with parents of no political or social clout, displaced from their place of residence now in Bethlehem to pay their taxes. 
Yet here they are on their faces before the King, before Christ. If this be their response to seeing Jesus in that state, how much more should we be so before him who has been highly exalted and given a name which is above every name? They worshipped him, the scripture says. It's that word proskuneo. It means to kiss the hand. It's a picture of a dog that would lick the master's hand. It's an act of submission and reverence for another's position over you. So we see the praise they rendered, the worship that they rendered, but then the presence that they rendered. The Bible says in verse 11, they opened their treasures. These were likely in some sort of trunk. It's interesting that they didn't open these treasures when they were before Herod. They reserved them for the king. We must be careful to whom we open our treasures. Some who profess Christianity give more to political parties in order to see politicians elected than they do to their own local church to see sinners saved and Christ's kingdom advanced. Others still pour their treasures into the things of this world, but oh, where our treasure is, there will our hearts be also. No doubt these items given unto Christ were needed by his parents. It's amazing how God provides what we need when we need it in various and diverse ways. These gifts likely represent the uh, the uh, bounty that was in their own lands. This is what was available. This was what was representative of where they were from. We are not called to give what others have. We're called to give what we have and whatever God makes available to us. That is what we are to give and to render unto him. Upon these gifts, Matthew Henry said, some think there was a significancy in their gifts. They offered him gold as a king, paying him tribute to Caesar, the things that are Caesar's, frankincense as God, for they honored God with the smoke of incense, and myrrh as a man that should die, for myrrh was used in the embalming of bodies. And so it very well could have been the, the pictures behind these gifts. But then verse 12, it says, And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Aren't you glad that the Lord knows what is in the heart of man? And God warned them and told them to go away a different direction. They did not leave the way they came. Uh, now, when we truly worship the Lord, we won't leave the way we came either. And uh, we spiritualize that just a little bit. But I'm telling you, worship will change you. It'll do something in your life that nothing else can do. And when they got home, I can't help but imagine that they became quite evangelistic. Maybe they gathered for a Bible study and prayer. And maybe they invited others to come as well. I wonder if they longed to once again be in the presence of the king they met that night. Now here we are some 2,000 years later, and that's exactly where they are. They're in his presence. Brothers and sisters, the best way I can explain this kind of worship is that it is a little bit of heaven here on earth. Worship is all we'll do there. Let's intentionally do it here. And so we'll be better prepared over there. If you don't like worship, you won't like heaven. Till next time, this has been Preacher Brandon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Standing in the Gap. It is my desire that today's episode has been a blessing to you. 
If you'd like to contact me, my email is bcharrell83 at protonmail.com. That's b-c-h-a-r-r-e-l-l 83 at protonmail.com. You can also reach me by phone at 828-777-4923. Tune in next time for Standing in the Gap.